0: Welcome to the You on the Camino podcast, for and about first-time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, with your host, guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. This is Nancy with the Camino Experience, and I am delighted today to be here with Grace Liao coming to us from Queens, New York. Hi, Grace. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for being with me on this episode of the You on the Camino podcast.
1: I'm super excited and um, what a great way to start before I even start.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so you've got a Camino walk coming up soon. Will you tell our listeners what your plans are, where you're walking, when you're starting, and how long you'll be out there?
1: Okay, sure. So I decided that I would do the Camino de Portugues, which is not the not the main route, I guess that most people head towards which is the Camino Frances. I chose this one because I don't have enough PTO (laughs) to do a longer one. And the plan is I will be flying into Porto. on. I'll be there by the 10th of September. And my plan is to start walking on the 12th or the 13th. And based on research, I'm giving myself 12 days to do this. And I'm not sure yet if I have to build in more buffer time, but I am going to leave out of Porto as well back to New York. And I my flight is on the 27. So altogether, I'm looking at the calendar right now, it's two weeks, and I think four days that from beginning to end, and to squeeze in a 12 day journey in there.
0: Oh, wow. So you said PTO. If I remember my corporate days correctly, that's paid time off, right? Yes, yes, yes.
1: I had to make sure I had enough time off from work to be able to manage a trip like this.
0: This is, I think, a very American discussion. Americans are somewhat limited in the amount of vacation time and now called PTO that we have to go take time off and take vacations is that does that feel like enough time for you the right amount of time not enough time what does it feel like
1: I'm kind of glad that I will not be out there for a month especially as my first time out the idea of tackling the Camino Frances which it looks like most people spend about a month or so that seemed a little overwhelming so this kind of worked out for me maybe the company policy and i only have i think I had 18 days that i had to spare and i thought that was a great amount of time for me to do something for myself and as a little bit of a self-confessed uh workaholic i don't know if i can leave work that long <laughs> i'll have too much to catch up on so this feels like the just right amount of time for me to get a really good sense of what this experience might be like
0: that makes so much sense. And I, I love the thoughtfulness that you put into it. So have you been planning this for a long time?
1: Gosh, I don't. I probably should have marked the day. I feel like with something like this, it's like you have to mark a little milestones along the way. But I probably started planning it, I want to say a month and a half ago, which was really when I made that decision that I'm going to do this. So it actually hasn't been a long time of planning. My first thought when I made this first decision was, oh, I'll go next year. I'll go, I'll go in May. September's coming up way too fast. And and I had read about the better seasons to do the Camino, which would either be spring or fall. And I just thought, okay, well, let me give myself a lot of time because I've never done this. And, you know, who knows what. So I first thought I would have a lot of time to plan. I would do it for next year. And then the more I read about it, the more I looked at people's forums and feedback and watched YouTube videos. I just became so mesmerized. And my younger son said, he does say this about me often, but he certainly said it for this one. He said, oh, that's such a cool trip. I don't think you're going to wait until next year. And sure enough, a few days later, this is back in June, I guess. Yeah, probably June. I decided, oh, maybe I can make it for the September trip. So once I made that decision and purchased a ticket, which was the first step in the planning, really is to choose the date, that was when I knew that this was a commitment into this experience. And then from that day on, I was doing research for a purpose rather than just research for fun. So it's been about two months of planning.
0: That does seem very fast to me. I remember, yes, I've heard so many pilgrims who have this long lead up to getting ready to go to their Camino and to hear that it's basically a two-month turnaround for you. So what has your planning and preparing process been like? I guess
1: when I approach any, especially travel-related things or where I'm going to be doing something new and be somewhere new. First of all, it's always exciting because that's part of the thrill of travel. It was just the planning part. And like I said, the first step was just that commitment piece, which is okay. Which days can I do it? Is there a ticket that's going to work out? So then that was a, it took a good chunk of time. I think I took multiple days to kind of figure out time and date and where to start. So the ticket, and then from there, a lot of research as far as seeing what people have done and, and like with anything else that a lot of people have done before you, there's tons of information. It's overwhelming. The thing that first interested me in the planning part is like, Oh, what do I need to bring with me? <laughs> so gear and equipment and all of that aspect, but the packing part has been top of mind for me as far as planning that. And I've only started with the backpack. That was a big purchase for me because I'm not a hiker as a hobby and I've never done any long treks. So it's, this is completely new for me. So the first purchase was a backpack and then shoes. And then now I'm just, each week I kind of go down a list, which I have made by the way, I've, I've created an Excel sheet for myself for things that I think I need and the things that I will actually plan on bringing. And I'm going down that list and doing a lot of shopping, on and this is something I didn't realize fully when I first started to, or when I first made this decision, is that there's actually so much detail to plan as far as what you're going to bring, because every piece counts. Whereas when you travel somewhere else, you just throw stuff in a suitcase. So the, I think the equipment piece of it is very, very, it's taking up a big part of my bandwidth right now.
0: I can see that.
1: yeah and what i haven't gotten to which i know will matter is the actual routes and the stops and eventually booking the albergues which i guess in my mind they sound like hostels or dormitories so i haven't even gotten to that part yet so it's mostly been gear so far and also walking which is the training aspect that is also top of mind with planning because i want to make sure my body is somewhat ready to do this. But I've definitely not walked this much before. So those are the big buckets, uh, the equipment, some training. And then eventually I have to get to the actually planning my day to day.
0: It's a lot of planning, isn't it? So much. And it's very
1: short. I have one month left, I think. <laughs> so looking at the calendar, I only have a month and three days.
0: Well, it's really fun when we get so engaged and so interested in getting ready for something because I I share that love of travel and I love planning and preparing. I'm preparing for my September trip right now and it's just so much. I lost two hours to it yesterday and I thought I should get back to work. Well, you talked about the backpack and getting that ready and choosing your items very carefully because it is different than other types of travel other types of where you just throw things in a suitcase and go. So you've done quite a lot of travel. Would you talk a little bit more about the differences that you see between all of the international travel you've done and what it looks like the Camino and how, how that's going to be different?
1: I've never been asked a question like that. I love it. Uh, it's a very travel-related travel, travel related question. And I've actually changed over the years because I used, I used to live in China and so there was a lot of back and forth between China and the States to come back home and visit family. And I used to haul, I used to get to the max of the, the weight limit on luggage 52 pounds, I think, for international travel. So you can carry a big, big suitcase and they always allow it for international travel. So I was quite used to that. And then loading it up with stuff. And over the last, hmm, I would say, four, three, four years, I think I came across some kind of minimalist book or YouTube video about just and traveling lights. And I started to move away from bringing my my big suitcase and seeing if I can travel even with just a carry-on for like 10 days or for even two weeks overseas too. And I've realized that's actually very possible, but even that level of light travel or light packing, I have a feeling still won't compare <laughs> with what we have to do in preparation for the Camino, I had been reading that you want to carry maybe at most 10% of your weight. And I, I'll see anything from people saying Yeah, I, I, I did it with 10 pounds of weight, including backpack, or some people are, I guess, stronger, and they can do 20 pounds. So my mind with the target of staying within, let's say, 13 pounds, 12 pounds, I can't imagine it yet. But what I am doing is I'm starting to look at the ounces on things that I'm buying, (laughs) which is something you just don't think about anytime you're traveling, except for if you're thinking about what's going to pass through customs, you know, bottles and liquids can't be beyond a certain amount. But now I'm, my whole lens has changed, which is, oh, this selfie stick weighs, you know, like, 10 ounces. Can I afford 10 ounces? I haven't actually started to mock pack yet, but I'm definitely going to try it. I'm definitely going to start collecting my items and start packing them and feeling the weight of it. And I do want to travel as light as possible. So this will be a really fun challenge for me as someone who already wants to move towards light travel.
0: It's great. It sounds like the next natural progression in your travel travel log. I think so. Like it'll be
1: yeah, I I see it as a whole other challenge. Like a li- like an additional challenge to the actual walk itself is how light can I go for my first time out? I don't want to be I don't want to be like a total rookie and bring too many things.
0: You know what? I'm going to tell you everybody brings too much stuff on their first time. And I got to the point where I just don't bother to travel light anymore. I use the luggage transport service. So I I have such great respect for people who get down to ultralight and get to that 10%. I always say 10% of my ideal body weight, you know, just to account for that extra 15 or 20 pounds.
1: That is so funny that you, you know, even as I was just saying right now, Well, if I say 13 pounds, should I say 14? Because I'm probably like closer to 140 than I am 130. But it's something I definitely read about and can ask you afterwards, I guess, is about the luggage service. Because what if I do hit a day where I'm just, you know, dying and I feel like I can't go on to know that there are options that can help move these things along and also just make the trip more enjoyable. I think that's the point that maybe this could be a rookie thing to do, which is yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it right, whatever right means, and I'm going to go hardcore, and maybe that's not the greatest way to go into something that's so new and physically rigorous as something as this.
0: That's a great Discussion to be going on in your head. It really is because there's so much talk about the luggage transport versus carrying your own bag. And what is it to be a true pilgrim? Well, some people think that in order to be a true pilgrim, you have to carry everything. And there's nothing really anywhere that says that. The Catholic Church doesn't tell you that. The Pilgrim's Office website doesn't tell you that. But what I will say is carrying your backpack is a very different experience than not carrying your backpack. And for me, there were tremendous lessons to be learned in carrying everything I needed for the trip. Now, the first time I walked, I brought my full-size pillow from home. Let's talk about what not to bring. I mean, it takes
1: a volume space, but maybe it doesn't weigh a
0: lot. It does. A pillow actually weighs a couple pounds. I would have never thought about that, but okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't carry the pillow. I use luggage transport, but I want to talk about luggage transport because our listeners will all have questions about that. It's a very well-developed system. There are a number of companies on all of the routes and the way that it works currently is you can either book online in advance for all your stages and pay online. And then they already know you and they're already ready to transport you or Wherever you're staying, you pick up an envelope at reception and you write your name and your contact information and your destination and you stick the money in the envelope. And most of these are around five euros a stage, a little bit more at the beginning of the Frances, a little bit less at the end and getting close to Santiago. But then what you do is the envelope will have a phone number on it that you can send a WhatsApp message to, to let them know you have a bag to be picked up and where it's going. That's amazing. It's so simple. It's so simple. Now there's slight variations. Each company's details or logistics will be slightly different, but the great thing is your host will always know how to set you up.
1: Oh my goodness. That is amazing. I mean, I've never even heard of that. Of course I've never done a trip like this so just knowing that it's such a developed support system yes is that is a huge benefit and advantage to and also just a reassurance going into this trip that you know what if something something needs to happen then I know that there is a system in place because so many people have done this before
0: Definitely and the one thing you want to be sure of is that you have some way to carry your water and your snacks and your phone, or your guidebook. And depending on the weather, a waterproof layer or an extra layer for warmth. And then everything else can get shipped. That's kind of cool. I may try that. <laughs> because
1: I, I did think about, and this is also just based on reading other people's stories, that sometimes they, you may want to take a break from an albergue and and then stay in a hotel and then, because you're, you feel dirty or you need a bath. And And to know that there might be moments where if there's an option to do something that's a little bit less taxing on the body or to stay in a more comfortable environment, to know that there are possibilities is really nice to know because there might be moments.
0: There might be. Yeah. So staying in the albergues, that's your plan is to stay in uh, mostly in the albergues or the pilgrims hostels? I think so.
1: And that's also someone going in like, okay, well, we're going to do it. I'm going to try to do it, quote unquote, right. And I definitely see on the forum that there are, there's all manner of ways to accomplish this, but I, I'm going to try. So that's my first, my intention and goal is to at least give it a, give it a go. And so I can experience Whatever might be uncomfortable, I heard about. It. I think I read about possibly bed bugs, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how true that is. But if it's online, then it probably happens. But so yes, I do plan to at least stay in a few of them.
0: That's a great question that always comes up: is bed bugs? And you can conclude that if somebody mentions it, it did happen. <laughs> I figured that. Yeah, and there are bed bugs along the Camino. There are bed bugs in accommodations anywhere in the world. And we always get all skittish and icky and yuck. I don't want those. The good news about bed bugs is they don't carry any disease, and they don't spread any disease. But they're just creepy. I
1: don't even know if I've actually seen. Any bed bugs? I, I probably have been on beds that had them. I just didn't know if I didn't happen to get bitten by one, but that's really good to know. I don't know anything about it, but as soon as you see the word bed bugs, I think we all kind of mentally freak out.
0: We do freak out. And while they don't carry disease, they do get on you. But the statistics say that they only like one in 10 people. So you just hope you're one of the lucky nine.
1: Oh, that's a, those are really good statistics.
0: The thing about bed bugs, though is while they don't carry disease, they are creepy and they can get into your sleeping bag or into your backpack or into your clothes. What they do is they hide in the seams and what you don't want is to take them home. So the trick is when you get home, the first thing you want to do is take everything that can go into the washer and dryer and put it in a hot Washer and dryer because heat kills them and destroys the eggs. And then your backpack, what you want to do with your backpack is put it into a black trash bag, a big black trash bag, seal it up and stick it in the sun for the afternoon. And that'll kill them all. And let it just heat up. Oh. I do that before I take anything that's been in an albergue or really lately anything just to be on the safe side because I'm staying with friends lately. I stick it all in that trash bag before it goes into the house.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. I'm definitely going to follow that. These are important. These are these little things. They're not small things, I think, if people don't realize it. <laughs> so
0: thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, you. I want to go back to your planning process. We all have superpowers, right? We've got things that we use in our lives, and you've got quite a quite a career going in education and international education. So you've got some superpowers. What superpowers have you been using to get ready for your Camino?
1: It's a fun question. And and superpowers is definitely not the first thing I think of when I go about my day to day. But I would say going into a process like this, of course, there's there's just a very tactical aspect of things and you know, prioritizing and planning and and giving our, ourselves time to prepare. all of that is it's pretty detailed. but I, I feel like the superpower that I have and this kind of bleeds into the work I do and just generally how I like to do things is I'm very curious. I think curiosity is pretty key to motivating one to, find something or hunt something down or or figure out what the alternatives are and to also just want to do something so i think curiosity but with a layer of pragmatism i i got that from my mother my mother is not the curious one but uh, she definitely is the pragmatic one in the family because curiosity can also kind of lead one to want too much or or to maybe overextend oneself so i uh, even as I think in the context of planning a trip like this, which is going to be, you know, a trip like a lot of other trips, but also quite different. So I am curious about every aspect of it. But I also have to remember there are, you know, my own bandwidth limits, my own, what what is typical of me budgeting, all that. So I think curiosity plus some pragmatism would be my superpower.
0: Mm, Great. If we looked at the flip side of that, what would you say has been your greatest challenge in getting ready for your Camino?
1: I do feel like time is against me and that's my perception of it right now. Maybe that won't be the case once I start and I'll realize oh, I'm totally fine. And I, I, I worried about things I didn't have to worry about. I also did three weeks ago. I just, has it been three weeks? Two and a half weeks ago, I was in Seattle for a conference and I was in the hotel room and I stubbed my toe and we've all done that before. You know, we run into chair legs and table legs, but man, I did a number. I just walked right into the, the couch leg and I fractured it. I found out a couple of days ago, oh, up until a couple of days ago, I was very worried that this was going to be a setback. Uh, my first thoughts were, oh my goodness, I'm flying out in a little bit more, more than a month Will I be able to walk on this. I can't even wear closed toe shoes. For the last couple of weeks so I, I didn't even quote i didn't even train i didn't even take long walks because my little pinky toe was swollen but this was luckily as of the, at the moment i think i'll be okay my, my toe is healing and i've also even asked people online what do i do i think i have a fractured toe and i i saw people wrote back can do squats and prepare your body that way or people also shared with me that Oh, I broke my toe while I was on the Camino and I walked the whole thing. And I just thought, okay, well, then maybe it's not a setback then. So temporary setback. And yeah, I would go back to time. I think time is a little bit of a challenge just because I'm planning with a little bit of blindness because I'm not sure entirely what I'm planning, if I'm planning the wrong way. So time, time is the enemy.
0: What you said about that is, I'm not sure if I'm doing it the right way and you've said that a couple of times, we want to do it right. We yeah. want to do it right. And there's some idea that if we have enough time, eventually we'll get it right. Mm. But eventually we've got to just start walking.
1: And that's a lesson right there.
0: So imagine yourself, if you would, you're starting in Porto, yes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's imagine you in Porto, your backpack is loaded. That toe is in whatever shoes that toe is in, <laughs> and you're looking at the trail before you. What are you thinking? What are you feeling?
1: I'm imagining how I'm feeling, partly based on past experiences in new places. So the first thing I'm going to want to look for, because my eyes will be all over the place, I will be looking at buildings and I'll be looking at people. I I do tend to try to take everything in but nothing all at once because the new surroundings are so overwhelming but as i'm walking i'm going to want to look for that first clamshell (laughs) wherever that happens to be because i see i'm seeing it so much in preparation and you know people have tattoos of it and so i think that's going to be a really thrilling moment to see the first sign or arrow or whatever indicator is that i'm on the camino and even just the idea of the fact that it's going to be all along the way is kind of mind-blowing to me i still don't quite fully wrap my head around that but those first few moments will be i think looking for that but then at the same time smelling what the smells are and I, i do like enjoying local life so i i will be paying attention to who's around me and then I know I'm going to look lost. I'm I'm already accepting that fact and it'll be obvious that I'm one of the pilgrims, but luckily so many have passed through. Probably no one's fazed by seeing someone who looks very obviously like they're trying to find something. So I'm but I'm excited for that. I don't I don't mind feeling a little bit lost. That doesn't bother me because I'll eventually find what I need to find.
0: That warms my heart, the idea of seeing the scallop shell for the first time and that Wow, because you've seen photos of it online, but to be on the trail with the markers, how do you feel about following the trail markers and your ability to stay on the trail following the markers?
1: Oh, that's a fun one to think about, uh, because how we follow routes or don't follow routes is very much uh, who we are as people (laughs) in real life. Are we a rule follower? Are we a go off the path kind of person? I will I'm going to say at this point, because I haven't started that my pragmatic mind is going to say, first time out, follow the road, (laughs) look for the signs and, and make sure you stay on route. This being my first time, that makes more sense to me is is to go with the route. But I'm going to guess that after a day or two, or however long I feel like I'm okay, I'm comfortable. There are plenty of signs here or everything makes sense then i don't think i would hesitate either to go off the path a little bit and explore but i'm usually not the one that will i'm not the one who's going to get end up on the news hopefully (laughs) where she went too far off the route where you know she she got eaten by bears i don't think there are bears there but so even if i veer off track usually which is fun sometimes because i may see something i want to see I won't go too far off. So I do generally intend to stay on route for at least the first couple of days, I think.
0: I'm so relieved to hear we won't see you on the news. <laughs>
1: I don't want that to happen. Not not while I'm overseas.
0: <laughs> not for that reason, anyway. Maybe some, some humanitarian reason, change the world reason, but maybe not because you got lost in the woods. I don't think bears are a problem. I don't think so either.
1: Probably not. But... I mean, I've never done any kind of, I've never walked more than I think a couple hours. And that's usually because of shopping or, or tourist walking. But this just even the idea of walking multiple hours a day, consecutive days is daunting to think about and cool because if a lot of people have done it before, then clearly it's, very very possible but i'm i'm very much looking forward to how that's going to feel
0: it is definitely possible and it goes for me it takes me back to your question of time and having your fractured toe and not being able to walk so much and not going fully trained as maybe you might want to be and then you added in something different like squats let's do something physical that doesn't involve my toe to keep the fitness level going because walking that many hours a day is physically challenging. I'm
1: imagining it is. I don't even think I like walking that much. I'll be honest. That's why I tend to run. I'm more of a runner than a walker. But I want to embrace walking because that's a, a longevity thing. I have a feeling that walking is well, walking is, is okay for most people. So.
0: And to take that, to take walking that you're not that excited about, and to marry it with something you love, which is travel and discovering new places, is probably a really good way to get yourself walking. That's an
1: excellent point, because I do have a motivation to do this. I want to see things. I want to meet people. I want to challenge myself in a new environment. So there, there's so much about this trip and doing the Camino that appears to me as very a very special combination of boxes you can tick which is it is the travel element it is being in an environment that is not the usual physical challenge of it the length of it and i don't know that anything else in the world exists quite like this in this combination it's very unique and it may spark a new i'm kind of hoping it'll spark a, a love or an interest at least in hiking and trekking because I have a backpack now, so I hope I use it more than just for this one trip. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the combination of what you just said, the, the travel element plus the, the eh, attitude towards walking will change after this trip.
0: You've got your backpack. You've got to get your money's worth out of that thing.
1: Seriously, I don't want it to go to
0: waste. The Camino in origin is a Catholic or a Christian pilgrimage. Does does that call to you in any way? Is there any any spiritual element about this for you?
1: So my original interest and first kind of dive into doing this walk, it was not for religious reasons. Although I am Christian, um, I grew up, I'm actually church, church born and bred. So um, um, it's, definitely a part of my life, my faith, but that wasn't the reason why I chose to do this. And it was actually in my research and understanding it more that I realized that for a lot of people, it is for religious purposes. I don't know a whole lot about the Catholic Church. So and how that ties in but even knowing that there's a like a passport to fill out a credential booklet, and my understanding and I'll learn more is that for some people they they need or want that evidence that they've done this pilgrimage for religious purposes. For me it's not so much that, but I'm sure that in the process of doing this there will be a lot of self-discovery, a lot of a lot of thinking and I think I'm imagining being in the environment where there are I'm going to walk by old cathedrals or a buildings that were built originally for religious purposes I, I have a feeling I'm going to I probably will be overcome and overwhelmed with the spiritual aspect of it as I'm doing it so this is kind of like a bonus for me more than it was for the original purposes of the trip even as I'm reading my guide by john brearley i think his name is i just started to read it a couple weeks ago and he he talks about the importance of the spiritual aspect of the whole camino so i just thought oh wow i i think it's going to be unavoidable actually even at a personal level so i'm very curious to see what this camino will stir up in me i think spirit just spirituality in general for everyone is I imagine quite individual and quite different and everyone's in a different place. So this process will probably activate that for many people is, is my guess.
0: I have a feeling you're right. I think when we're getting ready for the Camino, so often we focus on these physical things, the packing and the training and the walking and the boots and the backpack, and then we get there and all that stuff is handled. Then what? And then you see what the trail has for you.
1: Is that what they mean uh, when they, I feel like I've seen in forums where the, no, no, the Camino provides was one, but I just, I feel like I've generally seen here and there, just the, like the Camino almost personified. It's like it has a, maybe not a power, but the the Camino is, it, it is very special. It has an impact on individuals who, walk it. So I guess I'll find out. Is that am, am I describing it in a in a way that makes sense?
0: Yes, you are. And the trouble is it's difficult to articulate what that is, even for people who have already finished it to come back and try to articulate what happened. And it's what people often refer to as camino magic. Oh. Okay. And Camino magic takes many forms. It's sometimes called Camino angels, those people who appear and hand you exactly what you needed at the exact moment that you needed it. Oh, wow. It's those coincidences. I remember hearing a definition of coincidence decades ago. A coincidence is a tiny little miracle in which God remains anonymous. And I think that's what the Camino is. It is for me. It's Got it. Work now. That doesn't resonate with everybody because not everyone goes with a religious or a spiritual background. But that stuff still happens to everyone. Oh my goodness! I'm
1: I'm gonna start crying just thinking about it. I, I haven't really started to reflect yet, or even pre-reflect about what this trip might do for me. But I can say that my mother, uh, she she's she doesn't travel much whenever she hears about me going somewhere, she's like, oh my goodness, you're going somewhere again, again, again. And I always get the sense that she doesn't fully, not that she disapproves, but she's like, I don't understand why you want to go to those places. But when I told her about this trip, when I told her, and this is the first time I've gotten this response from her, and I was trying to describe this to her, I said, hey, I'm going to go to Europe, and there's this thing called the Camino. And it was really hard to explain to her, especially since I haven't done it yet. And I started to say, it's a pilgrimage, you know, I said, back in the day, this is, this is where people walked to reach a destination for religious purposes. And then she, and then she started to put together, she's like, oh, you mean like, you know, the disciples walked, uh, whatever road they walked on. And I said, yeah, something like that. And I, and that, you know, many, many people have done this. And she just, she said, I think that's wonderful. She said, I think this is, so much better of a purpose for a trip than a lot of other things. And and I think she was just really, I, I mean, it was really nice to get that support from my mother, even though other trips, it, it didn't really matter to have her res- support. But then when you hear one of your family members, and who cares very deeply about faith and, and my spirituality and my faith, she is in full support of this. She said, I think it'll be wonderful for you. I think it'll be so Beneficial. She just has really, she has a really positive outlook on this trip. And probably because she, and, and I, I see what she means, she probably thinks that I could use some time by myself, and to kind of think over some life things. And, and that hopefully God will, like you said, meet us serendipitously. So I'm expecting that there'll be coincidences as I enter this trip. And so I, I can't plan for that, which is great.
0: I recently heard an interview, and I wish I had the man's name at my fingertips, but he talked about expectations versus expectancy. So instead of going with a basket full of expectations or a backpack full of expectations, going with an attitude of being expectant that those things will occur. There's a potential pitfall that I see in hearing other people's stories and reading things online and getting deep into the Facebook groups and the online forums, that we start to form a picture of what our Camino will be like. But what we don't hear about are the people who went and didn't have a great time and didn't experience what we call the Camino magic and maybe left early or hopped a train down to Madrid or flew to Paris because they didn't want to walk anymore and they didn't like it or they didn't want to sleep in the albergues, whatever reason. So those expectations can mess with us a little bit, but to take you and everything you've just described and go and expect great things to happen puts you in more of a receptive mode.
1: I think that's a great way to to for you to reflect back what I think is possibly going to happen and to kind of leave the leave something open for a possibility is probably a good way to go about it and and, and i will think about it more in the in the coming weeks leading up to the time i'll probably think a lot on the plane because plane time is always the best time to just suddenly i don't know about you but when i sit in a plane in an airport i'm like oh i'm suddenly catching up on a lot of thoughts that i normally don't do day to day that's why i love travel also but i'm maybe hoping a little bit that this process will maybe reveal to me or activate certain aspects of how my relationship works with God and what I see in it, because that can easily, that is, has been historically and very easily, very contained in a certain way. Like I, my relationship with God has always looked a certain way. Or felt a certain way. So maybe this will open it up a little bit to something I don't normally perceive.
0: Wow. I love that. I'll let you know. Now, you mentioned different sources, and we've talked about different sources of information. What have been your go to places to get information for the Camino?
1: Right now, probably the Facebook groups, which I ended up hearing about through other means, has been my. Place to check in, but there is a so there are like three three Facebook groups that I joined, and I just kind of scanned them very quickly. There is one kind of like an, it's another forum, sort of like a new newsletter. Uh, Ivar I V A R that I don't remember where I got that name, but I, I I'm on the email list for that to see what the top conversations and discussions are, and then. In the beginning it was more YouTube videos because I'm very visual. So seeing it definitely got me excited, but also seeing how their walks go. There, um, let's see, there, there was two specifically that kind of caught my eye. One was called um Natalie Walks, Nadine, Nadine, I can't remember her name. Starts with an N. Someone walks, she's one. And then this this guy called David Wen, I think his name is. He's in California. Very visual. I looked at those two. In the beginning but now it's mostly facebook groups and that one newsletter forum
0: that i follow and you said a few minutes ago you were a little bit concerned about the reliability of information that you see on there what makes you say that
1: yeah it maybe not so much about people giving false information but there's so much in there everyone has a different story everyone has a different perspective so when i see the questions being posted when I scan them, let's say, okay, well, what shoe do you recommend? That's a pretty tactical one. So I, I just look at the recommendations and I think, okay, well, everyone has a different foot, then. So I, and their foot may not be mine. So, but, but then other ones will have more opinions in there. Like for instance, when you were talking about people who are team team luggage service and team not, I, I started to get the sense from reading the feedback that there are a lot of very personal feelings about how to do things because well that makes sense because if someone walked their camino in a certain fashion and it and it worked well or maybe did the exact opposite then they'll have very strong feelings about how something's done so i think as someone looking in without having done it yet i have to balance zooming in and zooming out and not to get too caught up but to take the information i need and then see how it works for me. So it is it is about scanning and then prioritizing what information I think will be more important for me. And then it'll be different once I look back in hindsight, I'll be able to say, oh, okay.
0: That's a great way to approach it. I think there really is so much out there that for a first time pilgrim to sort through it is such a, it's a big task is what I see. I find I get overwhelmed reading the Facebook groups and I actually know what I'm reading. And I have that, the live vision picture in my head and I get overwhelmed looking at all of that. What I've concluded is that when people get in, as you said, team, team luggage transport, team carrier backpack, what I think is happening is people are so moved and so transformed by their journeys that they want you to have that too. And they think- well, I carried my backpack, so you got to carry your backpack to make this work. It's got, you got to do it this way. And they're absolutely right. And transformation is still available other ways. So there really is a unique experience carrying your backpack that you won't get if you have it transported. But that doesn't mean you won't get a transformational experience having your backpack transported. Um. It doesn't mean. You won't have a transformational experience if you don't sleep in the albergues or stay in the albergues. It's available, but you know people staying in the albergues, they love that community. They're just hostels. You remember hostels from traveling in our 20s around the world, and they're called backpackers in some countries. They're community living, and they were designed to be affordable and accessible to everyone. And that's what the pilgrims hostels are specifically for pilgrims. So we're all on the same path and we're all on the same road and we all have that in common. And so if I've stayed at those and had a transformational experience, I want you to have that too. Mm, Okay. But you can still get it sleeping in private rooms. It'll be just different. It'll just
1: be different. And as someone, you've done it multiple times. So you can you can vouch for that. You can say, Well, I've done it all these different ways. And they've all been great for different reasons. So, yeah, I can see where people will get very passionate about the experience and, and how they did it. And that's something I definitely noticed also in the reading of the forums and looking at whatever it is, a YouTube video, that those who are into it, they, they feel very hardcore. At, at first, I was like, whoa, wh- what is this? And why are... Why are uh, I mean, it's it's beautiful in the sense that, you know, if you ask a question, someone's going to answer you, you're going to have multiple answers. It's a very generous audience. And then there was a part of me, I thought, what, what is this? (laughs) Like, who are these people?
0: There's a lot of zeal.
1: Yes, I think that's the right word for it. My my first thought, I I joked around with you earlier, but I'm like, is this a cult? (laughs) But it's not. It's just people who really care and people who've had very intense experiences, very individual. And so the part of wanting others to experience it as well definitely comes through. In whether I see it in TikTok video, or I see it on YouTube, or in a forum, you can just feel the generosity of information, which, which signals something.
0: It does. It really does. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask, do you have any unanswered questions that I can answer for you?
1: I mean, I do and I don't in the sense that we could go down a list of, you know, did you do this or did you do that? But I feel like through this discussion and listening to some of the things you shared, like the bed bug part, very helpful. <laughs> I would not have thought I wouldn't have known how to ask that question. I think I don't know what I don't know. And so therefore I I already have to just surrender to <laughs> to that. So I don't have any burning questions at the moment. And what I really appreciate about how you've Guided this discussion and just your own experiences is that there is this really, if there's a certain mindset going into this, then it's all going to be good. Something good will come out of this. Yeah. And so um, I should, I, I want enough of it to stay mysterious to me and to your earlier point too, which is there is no really right way or wrong way to do this. So. I don't have a question.
0: <laughs> Very good. Well, if you come up with questions down the road between now and when you go, I'm happy to answer them.
1: Okay. No, I do have a small question. I'm, I am I lied to myself. I do have a small question. I'm vegan uh, lifestyle. And I did know um, what I'm reading going in is that that might be tough, which is okay. I'm going into it thinking, okay, I probably need to make some adjustments how, in your opinion and experience, how difficult might it be to be a vegetarian on the Camino?
0: Well, you're speaking to a vegetarian.
1: Oh, perfect. (laughs) So how was it for you? How was it?
0: It was work until I figured out how to find what I needed. It was work until I learned where to look for what I needed. My first walk was in 2005 And since then, there have been tremendous improvements in the opportunities and options for vegetarians and vegans. And I'm hoping you found the Facebook groups for vegetarians and vegans on the Camino. I'll put the names of those Facebook groups in the notes for this episode so people can find them. Oh, Wonderful. I'll send them to you as well. The other thing to do is to learn the Spanish words for what you need. And in specifics of what you need and what you don't eat and have that available, maybe just a little index card that you can show people. So where you find food on the Caminos is in shops, just like the locals. So you can buy groceries and pilgrims often find they have to eat raw and fresh food or maybe something directly out of a can If there aren't cooking facilities at the albergues and because of COVID, some of them shut down, some of the kitchens became inaccessible. So you just have to ask when you get to your place and be sure to go in and check out how well equipped it is because just because there's a kitchen doesn't mean there's plates, utensils, and cooking gear.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, all right. Now we're getting tactical.
0: This is important actually. So do a little recon work before you go shopping. Okay. And shared meals is one of the best parts of the Camino is to share meals with other pilgrims and to have one person does the shopping and then another couple of people do the cooking and the prep. And then someone else does the washing up and someone opens the bottle of wine and everybody chips in a couple Euros. It's a wonderful experience. Really wonderful. Oh
1: my goodness. That sounds like so much. This sounds like so much fun. I've seen, I've seen the pictures and the videos and I've I love the idea of just hanging out with people you don't know. It's almost better.
0: Than <laughs> better than family some days.
1: <laughs> I think so because, because there's an end to it. I'm just kidding. I'm sure there are lifelong friends that develop from an experience like this. And these are people you would not otherwise cross paths with. Definitely. In your own sphere. So I think that's, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to is to meet people I otherwise would not ever meet in any other circumstance but the vegan and vegetarian thing is a, is a real that is actually probably a challenge that i know i'm going to have to go in with a little bit of armed now armed with some knowledge and some strategy
0: good and also in the larger cities vegetarian and vegan restaurants have popped up and so through the facebook group if you do a search or a scroll you'll find places and the happy cow app also can find some places for you and santiago it's paradise. The vegetarian options in Santiago are amazing.
1: I'm so excited. So I hope I finish my Camino in time. So I have at least one day in Santiago <laughs> before I head out.
0: One day to eat.
1: One day to eat for sure. I, I have a feeling I have a feeling the trip will go by very quickly. It's going to feel like it's over before it even begins. So
0: it certainly could. The Camino messes with time. It seems to me that the days seem really long when you're walking because the distances seem long. And then before you know it, you can't see what you saw yesterday because it's gone. It's
1: gone. And now you're
0: in Santiago and then it's done.
1: Oh my goodness. And this is, is this why people go back because I do read about people doing multiple Caminos.
0: We could do an entire episode on why people go back.
1: Okay. All right. Well, save me for after I finish
0: mine. It's a complex question. Um, People go back for different reasons. mm, People go back because they love the experience. They love the experience of being on the Camino.
1: Right. Right. And it's not something easily found elsewhere. Are there other experiences in the world? But no, not quite.
0: There are other experiences that we make maybe could say are similar. There certainly are other pilgrimages, but I think the Camino de Santiago is a very unique experience. And again, I'll reiterate, we bring ourselves to the Camino. And so our experience is unique. If you gathered 20 people together, I would guess that maybe 15 would rave about it. And five would say, you all are nuts.
1: I can see that happening. I feel like i I'll be one of the 15.
0: <laughs> I hope so. I hope you are. I met some uh, a pair of sisters this last spring on the Camino. And one was like, yeah, this is great. I love all this. And the other one is like, are we there yet? Because I'm done. And I met another woman who was walking with a small group of friends. And her friends were ahead and they were having a great time. I said, how are you doing? She goes, I'm bored. Oh, no. So it's all possible. It's a lot like life. Do you think it's
1: not, I guess, I don't know if the word better is the one to use, but to do it on your own first versus people who do it with groups and families, or are they just so different
0: no matter what? That's another episode as well.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. My okay. So my logic going into something like this is, uh, well, one, I, I, I like solo travel. So I, I like the experience of not having to answer to somebody else because I think it it creates a pure experience for certain things. It's just different. So um, this being my first time, I definitely want to do it myself first. And if I ever were to come back, then it would be a different experience. Maybe I'll invite my brother along or see if friends want to do it. But when it's the first time, I generally want to to check it out first myself because doing it with a family would be very, just,
0: I don't think I would get as much out of it. (laughs)
1: But I don't
0: know. It's really important to answer the question personally. Yeah. What's right for you? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And the and again, it goes back to, if you do it this way, you get this experience. Mm. And if you do it this way, you get this experience. And so the people who say, no, you've got to go solo. You've got to go on your own. I think they're saying that because for them, it was so transformational. Um, they want you to have that as well. Yeah. Yeah. They might not have an experience of walking with a small group or walking with a spouse or walking with a friend. Right. So they're really only talking about their experience and for them it was the best. Oh, and okay. they want that for you. They want that for you. I had when I lead groups, I've had couples come with me who the couples are like, "Wow, couldn't imagine doing this without my spouse." Oh,
1: that's true especially as the first time to share that yeah. with someone. So, okay, I I think I I think I'm hearing a pattern here for sure (laughs) that it's a very uniquely transformative experience for most people, maybe not for all and that there are, there is no right.
0: You're doing it the right way for you.
1: We're doing the right. Yes. I'm doing the right way for you. And I'm super excited. I'm all well, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited mentally, like intellectually excited, but my body hasn't, I haven't gotten the butterflies yet. I usually don't get truly nervous, excited until right before it happens. So I need a few more weeks, probably that last week leading up to, I won't be able to sleep at night, all that stuff. But right now I'm just like in
0: tactical mode. I'm like, all right, what do I have to buy? (laughs) You're on your way.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're on
0: your way. I
1: really, this was really interesting process. It's like pre-journaling before I even go.
0: I'm so glad you uh, decided to join me I've really enjoyed talking with you and hearing what you have to say. And I'm so excited for your unique Camino experience.
1: Very much looking forward to it. I appreciate that you've created this space for people who are leading up to their Camino. And will you want to hear about our after? Is there like an after? To the- <laughs> I'd love to share pictures.
0: Well, I'm hoping that some of the pilgrims who I interview before they walk will also let me interview them after the walk.
1: That would be really fun. I would be very down for that, I can tell you right now. And if you want to do like a group, that would be fun too. I'm game for all, all iterations.
0: That would be great. And minimally, we do a Zoom call. I'm not sure it would work as a as a podcast episode because everybody will be talking at the same time. Because you'll be so excited, it'll be a party. It'll be like an after party. <laughs> it'll be an after party. Well, Grace, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate our time. And is there anything you want to say before we end?
1: To the listeners, whoever's listening, you uh, wherever you are in your process, maybe you're still thinking about it or you're in the process of getting ready, I think it's, it is so important to hear from other people because I listened for other people's feedback. I listened to podcasts. I listened to a lot of things. So this is just, I guess, an encouragement to you that if it feels right in your gut, I would say go with your gut. Don't second guess too much. And as Nancy said, and what we're learning from other people who have done the pilgrims, is that there's, there's something for everyone in this, it sounds like. And so if you're thinking about it, don't think too long. Take the next step. <laughs> I encourage you.
0: It's great advice. Grace, thank you so much. Thanks, Nancy. I had so much fun talking with Grace and hearing about how she's getting ready for her walk on the Camino Portugues. I was especially intrigued to hear that Grace isn't currently a walker or a hiker, but that she's certain this experience is exactly what she's looking for at this time in her life. Grace will be starting in Porto, Portugal, and that is the top tip for this episode, to spend a couple days in the city of Porto before you start walking, or as a rest day if you're starting the Portuguese route in Lisbon. Porto is a gorgeous city and a destination in its own right. It's located at the mouth of the River Douro, which means you have riverfront and oceanfront areas to enjoy. It's filled with narrow cobblestone streets, beautiful architecture, both old and new, and warm, friendly people. Porto is also the home of the bookstore that inspired the staircase in the Harry Potter movies. I first discovered Porto one spring when I was trying to find some sunshine and warm weather after a cold and challenging walk on the Camino Frances. Shortly after I arrived in the city, I learned that Porto is the home of port wine. Would you believe it? I had never heard of port wine at that point. So imagine my delight when I found out that port wine is dessert wine. Two of my favorite words together. There are many tasting rooms on the south side of the River Douro, where you can sample port while savoring the view of historic Porto across the river. And if you're ready for a splurge, you could even experience a taste of a 150-year-old port made by winemakers from the 1800s. That will set you back only a mere 100 euros or so. However or whenever you visit Porto, I wish you a beautiful and inspiring start to your Camino journey. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the You on the Camino podcast. If you would like to know when future episodes are ready for you, click the subscribe button so we will be sure to connect again to talk about your Camino experience. Bye for now. Would you like to share your story of getting ready to walk the Camino de Santiago and receive some personalized guidance on your planning and preparations? If you have not yet walked a Camino and would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email nancy at thecaminoexperience.com or go to the website thecaminoexperience.com for more information.